Welcome to All Autism Talk, connecting the autism community one podcast at a time. Our podcast offers friendly conversations with inspiring individuals in the autism community. All Autism Talk is brought to you by Learn Behavioral and the Learn Provider Network. Now, here's your host. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of All Autism Talk, the podcast brought to you by Learn Behavioral, a leading provider in ABA services across the country. I'm your host this week, Richie Plush, and I'm excited to be here. I recently had an opportunity to sit down with Devin Sundberg, who is the conference director for WEBA, Women in Behavior Analysis. It's a, conver- it's a conference that's coming up this summer and has been, uh, has been going on since 2017. I'm really excited about it because there's been buzz since day one. I remember being at a conference in 2017 and, uh, and talking to a few of my colleagues and all they were talking about was not the conference we were in, but the fact that Weibo was coming up within a couple of months. It was just such an excitement and energy about that. And that energy has continued from 2017 until today. Uh, and I think one of the things that's really fantastic about that is we're hearing more um, conferences and more voices from people who have been historically underrepresented. So certainly Weba, we've had Adrian Bradley on from BABA. We're hearing a lot more from people who've been really great contributors to our field and to our science, but uh, maybe they haven't had the voice or the opportunity to present the way that they have now. So I'm excited for not just how we've progressed, but also how we're continuing to grow and evolve and learning from each other in a more dynamic way. For those of you who don't know Devin Sundberg, she's been practicing in the field of applied behavior analysis for over 15 years. She was the co-founder of Behavior Analysis Center for Autism, BACA, in 2009 with her husband, Dr. Carl Sundberg. She was the founding board member of her state ABA trade group, Indiana Providers of Effective Autism Treatment. And she currently is the conference director for WEBA, the treasurer for a BF Skinner Foundation and consultant for the ABA Ethics Hotline. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Devin Sundberg. Hey, Devin, thank you so much for being here this week. Thank you for having me. Um, I really appreciate the honor and the privilege of your time and the, the time of the audience. We feel the same, thank you so much. One of the, I have so many questions for you, but I want to just start with like, you've had so many roles within the field of applied behavior analysis over your career. Um, Can you tell us about like how Weba got started and your involvement in that and how everything came from there? Uh, That's actually a fun story to tell. Um, And I've had several colleagues involved along the way too. Um, But I got into the field, probably like a lot of listeners, uh, as a behavior technician. But back then, we were referred to as therapists. I love children on the spectrum. I love how honest they are. Um, I, too, can be very honest. And so it's nice to not have to uh, pretend with them. And fell in love with behavior analysis because it was so effective. So that just kind of triggered my career. Um, I had an undergraduate degree in psychology, um, so I was like, well, this is, this is perfect. I did my master's, um, found my husband at work, uh, and eventually in 2009, we just start, decided to start our own uh, behavior analysis company, therapy mm-hmm. company, uh, the Behavior Analysis Center for Autism, and um, just recently sold that to Learn Behavioral. Uh, but along the way, you know, owning your own company, I did fill a lot of different positions. So bringing in clients, um, working with adjunct consultants and working through those contracts uh, and learning from behavior analysts along the way. 
And also in 2006, I had my first daughter. And then in 2009, I had my second daughter. And then in 2012, I had my third daughter. Um, so you can kind of see where this is going. Yeah. And you start to see how gender um, pigeonholes people in really unusual ways, you know, like boys have blue and girls have pink and um, everybody wants things to be this way or that way, or here's the boy toys, here's the girl toys. Mm -hmm. um, I had a friend actually at work and someone threw a baby shower and not at our work, but at her work. And they said, um, men bring the men food, the male food, and girls bring the female food. And it's like, food is associated with gender? Like, so we love to, you know, apply gender to everything, but then I also realized how it applied to my experiences. Um, so a lot of people uh, didn't always give me a fair shake and you can imagine that was probably because my age, I was new to the field and my experience level. Uh, but also my gender, as I could see it happening to my daughters at the same time. And then I realized, too, that this is a very female, I mean, it's full of women in the field, but everyone that I learned from, the consultants that came in, were primarily male. Um, we had a lot of expert consultants come in to our company, and um, there was one female that came in, and that was Dr. Barbash. Um, so the other thing that happened when we went to um, a conference and they had the founding fathers of behavior analysis coffee mug set, um, which was awesome. But I thought to myself like, oh, well, they need, um, you know, where, where are the women? Like that kind of was a pain right. in my heart, you know, because yeah. uh, you know, they were there um, at times too. Uh, so all that came together at the same time. I also organized a our state ABA association conference with some colleagues. And one of the themes that we came up with was women in behavior analysis. And that was along with my colleague, Dr. Kim Soder-Martel. And we also had a marketing person at BACA that helped us, Sarah Cox. And so in 2017, we said, oh, this idea is so good. Let's keep it for ourselves. And um, we enjoyed event planning, conference planning, and um, we decided to hold the first Women in Behavior Analysis Conference. We chose to do it in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, for a lot of reasons. I didn't want people to think this was just a local Indiana thing because we did know a lot of people where our company's based in Indianapolis, Indiana. And um, Nashville has an international airport it's somewhat centrally located and it's a very also male dominated city. So it was kind of fun to think about infiltrating, you know, a city with um, women professionals and, you know, at night it's fun to go to honky tonks and let our hair down right. and experience the Nashville culture. I love so, that. And that, I mean, that first conference from the beginning, there was, a palpable buzz um, in the community and around the community. And I, I've, I'm thinking back on that time and reflecting and remembering, I, I feel like Weibo was a part of every conversation everywhere for, for that, that year. I mean, and beyond really, but like since the beginning of it, there has been lots of conversations about who's going to Weibo and when they're going to Weibo and, and things like that. Were you expecting that? I don't think I ever thought about it, but it, it wouldn't be surprising to me because I, at the time, was very representative of my colleagues. 
Right. Um, so it was kind of, you know, this is very interesting and fun to me. Um, and I think a lot of people are like, wow, I can't believe no one thought of this before. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> um, this is a, it, it, it was a good idea because the women in the field deserve it and needed it. Um, so I am, it's always been a goal just to sustain. Um, so this, we're actually coming up on our fifth year. So I'm excited for that milestone. That's amazing. That, I, I want to get to that in a little bit. I want to talk more about that. Um, but, you know, a big part of, of your focus is really to empower, celebrate, and mentor women in behavior analysis. Um, I, I think this ties back to what you were saying, but like, you know, it seems like that's been lacking for a while, right? Do you feel the same way? Is that? I think it's changing. I, 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 there are mixed views of our field that I can see, you know, um, watching people's comments on social media. And I know people can be very disappointed in our field at times, but I think they do still have the freedom and the lack of red tape to take that feedback and implement it um, rather quickly, rather than some other larger fields. Um, but absolutely, I mean, the research shows that this is a, a field full of women and yet we haven't, you know, received the, the professional appointments or the awards or um, the, been the invited presenters or represent, you know, at the PhD level um, right. and uh, even editorial process. But I, I mean, it's changing. There was a time where um, I think we had the editor of Java, Dr. Linda LeBlanc, the um, editor of Journal of Experimental Analysis of Behavior, Dr. Amy Odom. So, you know, having, you know, the two main journals uh, both being edited by women was fun, fun, fun picture to take. So, um, you know, it's like RBG said, you know, when, when will there be enough women on the Supreme Court when all of them are women? Right. Um, right. So anytime that there was a time when all of these professional appointments were male dominated, you know, we need to see a time when those are also female dominated as well as other marginalized groups. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so interesting to think about, right? I, you know, I've always thought that like, we need ways to, to mentor and coach and, and really build up this, you know, there's so like, to your point, there's so many women in the field. How do we, how do we get them into higher level positions and how do we have them take on more leadership opportunities? And part of that is through mentorship, right? And I think that's a good way for people to give back, but also a good way for, um, for the field to progress. And, and, you know, certainly I'll do what I can, but I'm a male voice in this, right? And so I want to make sure that we're all surrounded by as many women who are as empowered as possible with regards to supporting and progressing. Yeah, well, men can absolutely be allies. And it, it definitely reminds me of the role that the advisory committee has played um, to women in behavior analysis. Uh, you know, if you go and knock on somebody's door and say, you know, hi, I'm Devin, I want to put on this conference, they may or may not listen to you, but a lot of the advisory committee members have introduced WEBA to other people. And I've seen them do that time and time again for individuals too. Um, so why don't you, you know, do this symposium with um, these other two professionals? I've seen them create those connections over and over again. Um, and WEBA is also a great intimate conference too for these types of connections to occur. Um, and I think something that's very touching is our leaders in the field um, have that desire to mentor. They're not put out by it at all. It's right. one, you know, you'll hear them say it's one of their favorite things to do. 
Right, right. So mentorship is a very important part of, of our field and of um, the Women in Behavior Analysis Conference. I love it. You mentioned we're kind of coming up on the fifth year, right? Uh, we're, we're getting close to that mark. That's a huge milestone. Congratulations. Thank you. That's fantastic. Um, I, you know, as you look in the rearview mirror, you've had a few, you've gone from your first conference to your first virtual conference last year. What are some things that you've learned along the way? Oh, <laughs> I don't even know if you can think about, you know, going from the virtual conference was such a, it was just about survival, right. <laughs> you know, and it was like running on fumes. Um, I definitely have learned how important it is to, and it's because I haven't done a good job with it, um, bringing in others. And I really, I look at the um, Black Applied Behavior Analyst Association. They have done a fantastic job of, there's so many people that are there to support it. So, you know, this person does the social media, this person does um, the, the relationship liaisons in the community. Um, so I, it definitely takes the village and need to get a little bit better um, with accepting help. You know, it's like you have to be to a point of organization to where you can effectively delegate. Um, so working on that still. Um, and I do a lot of the behind the scenes negotiations things, you know, finding the venue, AV. Um, negotiations has been actually really fun to learn. Um, and even with doing the conference and even, you know, as a aspect of gender, I don't think, you know, people show us how to buy a car or, you know, how do you negotiate a bid from three, you know, giant Marriott properties um, to get the best deal. So that's something I really enjoyed learning along the way. It's such and a fascinating- Multiple bids, get multiple bids and then play them against each other. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, it's such a fascinating concept, right? Like those are the things that people, like I don't even think about, you know, I, I, I mentioned this to you before is, you know, I show up at the conference and I absorb as much information as I can and I try to cram in all the information in my head and then I go to happy hour and I visit with friends and colleagues that I haven't seen maybe since the last conference. But I don't think about the amount of work that goes into the setup that goes into the, you know, being there all hands on deck during the conference and then afterwards when you're, you know, getting ready for the next one. Um, that it seems like there's a lot of work there. Oh, it's a lot of work. Um, and now that we've added this virtual component, I don't see us ever having an event again that's not both live and virtual. Mm -hmm. um, so this 2021 event will be a hybrid event um, just because of accessibility, right. uh, especially for women. You know, one of the hardest things about going to a conference is leaving your home and your responsibilities, um, children especially. Um, not that that's not difficult for everyone. Um, who has children, but yeah, some of the behind the scenes things that we work on, um, we've got a system down and I have, I call it my master task list and I'm, I'm a big list person and I have major, you know, gratification, negative reinforcement, crossing those things off. <laughs> like that is, I realized, you know, in the last couple of years, that is my reinforcement paradigm. It's kind of all negative, which isn't good. Um, but I love my master task list and, you know, it starts the, a year out from the next conference date really. And, um, just kind of walks us through what we do. I have a little, um, planning organization committee now, and we meet 
every other week and talk about what we've gotten done. So it takes a lot of communication and organization, which yeah. it's really just like a big project. Right. It's so, I think it's so nice, you know, for me and, and for everyone in their career to hear that, you know, people that we held, hold in high regard and people who have accomplished amazing things like Weba, for example, are still learning from that process. It's sort of a, it's a reaffirmation for myself that even as I take on new challenges or as I, you know, achieve different things, that there's still something to be learned in there. And, you know, it's nice to hear that like collaboration is something that that's, has stood out to you. I feel like for me, it's always about communication. How can I communicate better? How can I make sure that everyone around me knows what I know or what we all need to know so we can all get the ship moving in the right direction, so to speak. Oh, absolutely. And once you stop learning, you stop growing, you know? So, or once you say, I, I know how to do that. Um, it's something my husband taught me. You can always hear something more than once. You know, go to that workshop, go to that conference more than once because um, you can always get something new out of it. So. Um, yeah, you never stop learning. And this is definitely, I mean, every year is a little bit different and yeah. every person you interact with is a little bit different. So always opportunities for learning. Is that part of what excites you about your role as, as conference director? Like that every year is a little different. Every year has different challenges and it's a different opportunity for you to learn. No, <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> I wish it were the same and easy and works like clockwork. Every year. <laughs> Um, but what motivates me, it's obviously the mission. Um, but it's, I really just enjoy like planning something and executing it and executing it well. Um, so that's really what gets me motivated about giving back to the community that's given me so much. I'm definitely the behind the scenes person, um, communicating, organizing, following through, following up, um, so yeah, it's, it's just a project and executing it well is, is fun. Um, so now, so we talked a little bit about going backwards and some of the things that you've learned. I want to talk about moving forward. Um, I feel like you have more things coming with Weba, right? You know, there's the, the, the Weba Hall of Fame that's coming, but can you tell us about what's coming with that project and beyond? Give oh, us a, thank you. a glimpse yeah. into the future. I really don't think that the ABA public knows very much about this yet. Um, and LEARN has so graciously sponsored this project. Um, so a few years back, um, Dr. LeBlanc, who I think has also been a guest on your podcast, yeah, yeah. Um, said, she said, I really love Hall of Fames. And I would really love to put on the Women in Behavior Analysis Hall of Fame. And it's, so needed too because they talk about women that they want to induct into the hall of fame um they're people i haven't heard of you know people you don't see yeah. in textbooks um so we're people that are deceased um yeah. so we're really excited it's not too late you know to make sure that these women are recognized and become more household names to behavior analysts um so what it will be. We're not sure of where the physical space will be. We're hoping to have a physical space for the Women in Behavior Analysis Hall of Fame for people to visit in the future. Um, but right now we're going to induct four to five um, women, most likely posthumously for the next mm -hmm. couple of years. Um, there probably will be one who's still with us um, that we get to celebrate uh, for the next couple of years, one inductee. 
and highlight their contributions. Um, maybe we can find some artifacts of their work um, that we can put into a physical space for people to visit. Um, maybe do some video interviews uh, with them or people that knew them or students of theirs if they were in academia, um, colleagues, and, and really just make a nice exhibit um, and empower people by saying like, wow, this person really contributed a lot and they weren't, you know, recognized. And now things are a little bit different um, now that we have Weba and our, everyone's working hard on lifting each other up. I think what an opportunity, right? For, you know, we've had some of the, some of the people you've mentioned on our podcast before. And one of the things we hear a common theme is, you know, we want people that are your mentors to have similar experiences and backgrounds and, and have a similar uh, viewpoint on the world that you have. Right. And what a great way to highlight what women have accomplished, not just this year or last year, but throughout the entire time of our science and through the, you know, our field wouldn't be what it is without the contribution that women have made. And so what a great way to be able to highlight that and also to inspire that next group of up and coming behavior analysts, right? To be able to say, you know, you may not have heard of them, but look at all these things that they've done and think about how, you know, other ways you can contribute as well. Absolutely. And I think we'll be surprised to find um, the diversity amongst these women as well, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, so the, the selection committee at this time is Dr. LeBlanc, uh, Dr. Carol Pilgrim, Dr. Denise Ross, and Dr. Chada Dixon. Um, so I think it's a really great selection committee, um, reflective of a lot of people's views and who they want to see recognized and um, inducted into the Hall of Fame. So I'm just excited to be a fly on the wall. You know, I'm sending Zoom invites for meetings and taking notes. Um, so it's just really, it's gonna be awesome to watch. I mean, I, I'm envisioning one of those meetings and I would love to just be around there and say thank you to each of them because they've all contributed, yourself included, they've all contributed to the field. But also what a daunting task, right? Being able to decide who are the, who are the first people that get in. That sounds like a lot of work. How, can you explain to us that process a little bit? Um, they are obviously looking um, at, uh, you know, how much time people have put into the field. There will be a lot of people, like we said, that will be inducted posthumously, posthumously. <laughs> They're deceased. <laughs> and, um, contributions to the field, lines of research, um, uh, awards, appointments, um, positions held. Um, so really just, you know, the type of, of things that you would see on someone's resume, um, leadership roles, right. um, leaders in companies and agencies and organizations, um, and how long they led, um, the, the type of mentorship that they've provided throughout the years, all those things will be considered. That's great. That's a well, that's a well-rounded, you know, a well-rounded uh, group, I would imagine, that can contribute in a variety of different ways. It's not just, you're not just looking for just researchers, right? No. It's, it's a variety of different people who have contributed in a variety of different ways. Yes, yes. So, and I think even with the, the first year of inductees would be very representative of, um, you know, things that all women can relate to. You know, I'm not a researcher. Um, I'm not even a clinician really anymore, but, you know, seeing a woman that led a company 
that would be something that I could relate to in, in behavior analysis. Yeah. Um, but I'm certain there will also be researchers and clinicians and um, people from all walks of life. Yeah, I mean, even just that on its own is an interesting conversation, right? The, the idea that we can contribute in a variety of ways to the field and to the science. It's not just it's not just academic research. It's not just replicating studies. It's not just coming up with new, uh, you know, new new ways of of supporting individuals with autism. It's also implementing them and and supporting families and doing, you know, parent education and parent workshops and and outreach and things along those lines. It's, it's absolutely. It's you know, as behavior analysis grows, it takes scaffolding. You know, and so I've definitely become one of those positions. And I used to consider myself more of like an ABA advocate because I was always kind of like clearing the way so that people could do work uh, was kind of how I saw it. And so now my position's changed even more, um, but it's, you, you can't be a successful industry without having, you know, the support staff. That's great. I love that. I can't wait to see how this, how this unfolds and, you know, hear about the first inductees and, and learn more about, about them and from them. I think that Dr. LeBlanc's done a great job with um, putting together a selection committee uh, and um, definitely the right group that they can do the job and represent the women in behavior analysis and what we appreciate. And what's really exciting is with Learn's donation too, we get to have a reception. Um, and I just booked, I don't know if you've ever been to Nashville, but they have a replica of the Parthenon um, that they built for the bicentennial. Nice. And in it is this massive statue of the goddess Athena. It's bright gold. It's <laughs> hideous. It's in your face. Um, but I think it's the perfect place to have the Women in Behavior Analysis Hall of Fame reception. So that'll be happening Friday evening too, nice. in front of the golden Athena statue. That's great. That's great. Well, you brought it up. I want to talk about it. You know, can, let's dive into this year's conference. Um, you know, can you give us some of the details first? I have a million questions, but can you give us some of the details? When is it? Yeah. By the grace of God, we usually held uh, women in behavior analysis in March, um, which in 2020 was the worst month to hold a conference. <laughs> um, and I know I speak for a, a lot of organizations. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so I have happened to change it to July. Um, just a better time, easier to get space in Nashville, not so in between the bigger popular conferences. Um, so the dates are July 29th through July 31st. Um, we always structure it so that Thursday and Friday are actual conference days with invited plenary sessions and um, several breakout tracks. The virtual conference will be arranged the same way. Um, and then Saturday are optional workshops. And this year, our invited presenters are Dr. Nasia Ulezi Serencioni and Dr. Tyra Sellers and Dr. Anna Pettersdoter and uh, Dr. Elizabeth Fong Hughes. Hughes Fong, Dr. Elizabeth Hughes Fong. Uh, also, it's very exciting is we always, you know, bring together our invited presenters to do a panel together. And they're going to be talking about, since we have so many amazing uh, people with experiencing in editing and publishing, they're going to do a panel on the editorial process, which can be very daunting for the average clinician. 
Um, and so I think that's a really great opportunity to learn from the best. And they're going, I know they're going to try to make it less intimidating for people. Yeah. It's a really good learning process. And then our Saturday workshops for in-person workshops are uh, Dr. Stephanie Peterson and her team they're going of students, they're going to talk about clinical systems that they've developed and implemented um, within, you know, from an OBM standpoint within their um, service delivery models. And um, Dr. Sarah Lachago is going to talk about manding. And then Dr. Alice Schillingsberg is also giving a presentation on verbal behavior, a workshop. Dr. Landria, or sorry, excuse me, Landria Seals-Green. She's an SLP BCBA. Um, I'm forgetting what her workshop's on at the moment. And then my, oh, Dr. Trina Spencer is also giving um, a conference, a workshop, I think on SLP BCBA collaboration. That's such an, in, like such a range of topics, right? Was that intentional? I mean, you know. Yeah. We have, um, I mean, we always give surveys and ask what people want to hear. Um, the last two years have been difficult with, you know, COVID and people having the energy to present um, for certain, but we want to represent just research that people are proud of. Usually when we invite somebody, they say, well, what do you want me to talk about? I'm like, what are you passionate about? Um, there are definitely some things that we say, oh, I want you to talk about this. But really what we want is just to see women there talking about what they're passionate about, presenting their research, um, presenting their projects or systems that they've implemented um, within their organizations. Um, so Nasia, Dr. Uh, Leslie Cerencioni is going to speak on um, authenticity and leadership. And Dr. Sellers is going to talk about supervision. And they published the, the supervision handbook. So I think that'll be really great. So it is, it's a huge range of topics. And we like to say it's, it's the one conference you can come to and get all of your, you can almost get all of your CEUs, yeah. the, the virtual one, but you get all of your supervision and all of your ethics um, credits. Which is great because I think those are two topics that, you know, they're really important for us and obviously for the board as well. We have to have those, you know, CEUs specified for those two topics, but it's so important, right? It's not just who we can be and making sure we're making ethical decisions for our clients and their families, but how can we train the next round of behavior analysts to do the same thing, right? And I think those two, the, the ethics and supervision piece are really intertwined in my mind and at least as in my experience on how do we, how do we make sure that we're setting people up for success but also how do we make sure that we're, you know, getting people on the right path with their careers and, you know, families for their track and support, right? Those two are very parallel for me. Absolutely. And there's a lot of times when I'm putting the, putting together the schedule of breakout sessions, I'm like, is this a supervision or an ethics? Cause I could argue it could be either. So I think you definitely hit the nail on the head. And when you're talking about gender and we're talking about serving the mission of WEBA as well, you know, how do we lift people up? Well, you, you really can't talk about gender, you know, and how it affects your clients or your service delivery or yourself, your profession, um, without touching upon some ethical topics. And when we're trying to lift women up and create connections for them, we're going to talk about things that relate to supervision. Um, so it really marries the two well. That's great. I love that. I love, I'm, I'm envisioning the, um, the like leadership tree that's happening, right? Each, all the, a lot of the women you've mentioned, I, you know, 
I've seen present or I've, I've read their research or those things. And, and I'm, I'm envisioning how this helps more and more people and how they help more and more people. And next thing you know, we're helping thousands of behavior analysts across the country. But I think what's really cool about, you know, a lot of times when we get feedback on Weba, it's about the culture and the intimacy. And it's not a place where you go and, you know, you're, you shouldn't be concerned about saying the wrong thing or asking, you know, a, a not good question. Um, it's absolutely the place where you get to meet these people that we put on pedestals and realize that they are just like us and that they want to help us and that they've had the same fears. I mean, that is a huge, I mean, and I know that's a huge relief for everybody. I remember the first year when um, Dr. Hayes, Linda Hayes came and she talked about what it was like raising a child and, you know, approaching tenure at the same time. And I just remember being like, oh, you know, like, oh, it was hard for her. Yeah. You know, so I'm glad to hear that, you know, other people have messy lives too. Right, right. I, you know, it just, you just gave me a thought, right? I think we could all be a little better at being a little more honest, you know, about what, what are some of our struggles? And, you know, we've got people in distance learning. My kids are in the other room doing distance learning right now. And fortunately they haven't joined us yet, but they <laughs> might at some point. Um, but I mean, the reality is everyone, you know, I, I, I remember talking to some of the people you've mentioned and they said, oh, I, I get so nervous before I present. And I was like, what? I've seen you present a half a dozen times. I, I can never tell. I won't name this person, but, um, but you know, she shared that with me. And I was like, what a relief for me because I get nervous. And so if it's, it's not just me, this is a person who's done hundreds of presentations all across the country and probably internationally as well. And so it's a little bit of a relief. So I just think like for us to be a little more honest would be nice. Do, do ourselves a favor and, and the, you know, the next group of people who are learning from us. It, it was definitely a, a really great leadership skill for me too. When I ran a business that I was like, oh, when I say I mess up and I, you know, take accountability for that, people loved it, you know, versus trying to cover up your mistakes and act like they didn't happen because we're all going to make mistakes. And um, this is definitely kind of that environment of Weba that we've tried to create and instill. And this year, um, we're only at this point going to have 350 attendees. So we're going back to the more intimate days and um, definitely watching out for safety with COVID. Right. Um, where can people get more information about the conference, Devin? Where can they find that? on? Our website is www.theweba.com and um, social media. We have a fantastic person that helps us with social media, Nakia Dower. And um, so, yeah, look us up on Facebook's probably where we have the most information. You can click the links and everything, but we're on Facebook, LinkedIn, Insta, Twitter. Great. We'll post all those in the show notes as well. Great. Thanks. Devin, thank you so much for, for being on this week and sharing with us about Weba and about what, what all the projects you're working on and how, how Weba has evolved over the past few years. We really appreciate you and your insight. Are you going to come this year, Richie? Yeah, I'm going to come. <laughs> we have childcare, so you can bring your kids too. Don't tell my wife that. She'll make me bring the kids. I know, right? By That's herself. Like. <laughs> We're safe to offer childcare because I think a lot of people are ready to get away. So it's usually like the one year that we were, we implemented it in 2019. 
And so we had like five kids, maybe tops at, at a, you know, at a time, usually it was like one or two um, because I do think people are ready to get away. Yeah. And I think what a, what a great time too. I mean, I, you know, a lot of people haven't been able to travel. They didn't go to the conferences last year. One of the things for me, one of the joys is there are people that I see at conferences and I don't get to see them other times. And we always make it a point to find each other and share happy hour, you know, go for coffee or do something. And, and that's some of the only times I get to see them. And last year that was kind of a void. I mean, I, yeah. going and attending virtually for me was a little bit different. It was like, I could send them a chat, but it wasn't the same as being next to them, giving them a hug for someone else. Oh, yeah, so. it's, it's definitely important and a time to lick our wounds, you know, and right. talk about what's new. And I remember, I mean, conferencing is fun. I remember my first conference at ABAI and you're like, oh, that's Jack Michael. That's, you know, Nate Atherin. Like it was yeah. amazing. So um, I think conferencing will always be an important part of people's professional development. Absolutely. I mean, I think the, the first conference I went to, I was so overwhelmed. I couldn't figure out uh, what, which presenters I wanted to see. And it was, you know, there were different people presenting at the same time. I was like, well, I want to go to all of them. How do I, how do I pick? And, and it sort of took me a little while to figure out that dance, but I, it's such, it's such a, a great opportunity for people, but also like can be a challenge when it's your first one. Yeah. That's something else we try to do too. And even if you're a first time presenter, like Weeb is a great place to go. And, um, get nice feedback from people that want you to succeed. Right. So right. It's, it's a nice place to dip your toe in the water. It's a great, like welcoming atmosphere. I think that, that you have created that's really special. And, and I'm excited for this, this year's conference and conferences to come to see how things can develop and all the ways you guys can leave a lasting legacy and a lasting mark and impression on the field of behavior analysis. Thank you. It's a, a lot of people have put their time and energy into Weba, so um, I'd re be remiss to not thank our advisory committee, um, Dr. LeBlanc, Dr. Jen Zarconi, Dr. Jonathan Tarbox, Dr. Denise Ross recently joined or accepted our invitation to the advisory committee, Dr. Martha Palais, and Dr. Amy Odom. Um, so we have an amazing advisory committee that protects the mission and makes sure I don't mess up. Great. And um, <laughs> Carrie and Van Hoover, um, assistant conference director and Nakia are helping me out um, quite a bit now. Nakia Dower with social media. So I really want to thank them. That's thank great. thank you to all yeah. our sponsors like Learn. Yeah. Thank you everyone for being involved and for, for making this happen again this year. I'm excited to be there. Excited to see people face to face. <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of violent hugging. So. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Well, Devin, thank you so much for your insight and for your for your willingness to be here and share with us. Um, we appreciate, you know, learning from you and you helping us learn and continue to grow. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for your time. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Devin Sundberg. It was really exciting for me to hear how Weba has evolved and all the things that she's learned as the conference director over the past few years. Uh, one of the things I'm really looking forward to this year is not just being at Weba and learning from all those uh, very influential women and, and, and learning from their experience, but also just being able to be at a conference in person. Um, there are some people and friends that I haven't seen for a long time and I'm excited to give them a hug and, and share a glass of wine at happy hour if possible, but it's just gonna be nice to be able to 
do this in person and not be sitting on Zoom uh, while we're learning. As always, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Autism Therapies. And if you have a show suggestion or other feedback, please send us an email at allautismtalk at learnbehavioral.com. And feel free to subscribe, rate, and review us at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, take care, be safe. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of All Autism Talk. This podcast is brought to you by Learn Behavioral, the leading network of providers serving children with autism and other special needs. Visit us at learnbehavioral.com. Listen to previous episodes at allautismtalk.com on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All Autism Talk, connecting the autism community one podcast at a time.